Sometimes you get lucky and your game is an instant hit without investing in growth. For everyone else, there's IronSource. IronSource is a game tech company which builds technologies that helps you guys take your games to the next level. The company is developing the leading growth engine for mobile games, offering a robust monetization management platform and data-driven user acquisition platform. What sets IronSource apart is their ability to close the monetization and marketing loop to help developers supercharge growth in a super efficient way. So whether you're looking to drive revenue or to scale your audience smartly and ROI positively, IronSource is a perfect partner for you. We here at Deconstructor Fun are giant fans of IronSource because it's truly a growth platform that a developer of all sizes can leverage. So we suggest that you head on to ironsource.com, that's ironsrc.com, and check out the platform for yourself. Thanks. This podcast episode is also brought to you by AppsFlyer. Most of you are familiar with AppsFlyer. It's perhaps the best attribution platform on mobile, a true foundation for your marketing tech stack, giving you all the tools to drive marketing success. But what is attribution platform? Why do we need it? And why is AppsFlyer the best in the business? Brian Murphy, head of games at AppsFlyer. Can you answer these questions? Sure. Uh, right now, marketing budgets are being impacted. Uh, so the need for strong attribution and measurement partners is critical. Marketers should be focusing on what's working best. So mobile measurement and attribution partners who help provide uh, those insights are even more important. Mobile attribution platforms determine which campaigns, partners, and channels delivered each app install, and marketers rely on these insights to measure and optimize their marketing performance for both user acquisition and retargeting campaign. With one trillion in-app events measured each month, AppsFlyer is the most robust technology platform and mobile measurement partner for any game developer to distribute and engage their application to a worldwide consumer base. Our scale and data insights provide customers with unique ability to make informed marketing decisions. In short, AppsFlyer gives you the data and tools to market your games effectively. So there you have it, folks. Go to appsflyer.com and get yourself one of the best attribution platforms out there. Hey everybody, welcome to the next edition of UA Coffee Talk. The focus of our conversation today will be about how to think about user acquisition during times of crisis or generally under situations of sudden change. And certainly we're currently in that kind of a scenario with the coronavirus pandemic, but even more than that, what I really wanna talk about today is can we think about a framework or systematized way of thinking you know, how do we navigate, how do we optimize UA spend when the environment changes and we don't have a lot of data? And to talk about this today, we have uh, our regular contributor, John Lau, and we have Mate Lanzarek. Did I pronounce your last name correctly this time? Perfect, man. Thank you very much, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, thanks for having me. <laughs> great, so I mean, guys, let's start with the fundamental problem. So you start with an assumption about how players in your game will monetize based upon historical data. So you're assuming a certain payback window, you're assuming a certain ARPU curve, you're assuming a ROAS yield, but let's say like there's a recession or depression or things like coronavirus, or there's some new legal regulation, then how do we think about this changing environment and how do we actually change our spend? And just to make this more concrete, I wanted to provide some more specific examples of other potential environmental changes just because because we really don't want to just be talking about coronavirus right that's one example of how the environment changes but for example it could be things like the impact of real money gaming to social casino 
to the regulation of gotcha boxes or social casino in some states or countries, or even the introduction of a new game or game mode and the, the impact in terms of cannibalization of revenue to that game. And you know, specific example there is the introduction of an auto chess mode to Hearthstone, but it could also be an external game that also cannibalizes your revenue as well. So therefore, just to be clear, when we say crisis, it can be a general environmental change. And so a lot of what we wanna talk about today is, is around a general framework. How should we be thinking about this? And kind of what Ray Dalio would call a system or principles. So what do we do? Do we just wait for data? And so how should marketers be thinking about these kinds of situations? But just because we do have this kind of coronavirus situation right now, I thought we could start with that. So speaking specifically about the current situation, and then we can generalize. I thought I could start by asking you guys, what have you guys been seeing in terms of, you know, impacts of coronavirus and how have you guys been thinking about changing spend or, you know, how you approach thinking about data and performance in this current time? Uh, I mean, um, I'm more of a, of a like conservative spender uh, yeah. and in these times, it's, uh, it's kind of difficult to predict anything because this is like very new situation. Yeah. So, so basically what, uh, what I was doing uh, on the games that I manage was like trying to like lower the spend and then trying to try to look at the short-term ROAS instead of like aiming for one year. Because, you know, the thing is, we don't know, we don't know what's going to happen uh, next, next month. I mean, we are seeing the, the situation in the U.S., obviously with the unemployment rate. So um, a lot of people just lose their jobs. So I think that this is going to impact uh, the spending behavior in the, in the future. So that's why I, I, uh, I actually like um, decreased the spend on several games, just, you know, looking at the short-term ROAS and then like saving up the money just to see like any data because, you know, we're always trying to, to focus on data points and then based on the data, make any decisions and then make any like predictions for the, for the future. So basically that's, I'm trying to wait for, for some data to kick in and basically based on those, um, at least like first initial payment behaviors on any, any, any data from the payment behavior. And then based on that, like increase the spending. So uh, Mate, just to make an example a little bit more concrete. So mm -hmm. when you were looking at short-term ROAS, like many kind of marketers out there, were you adjusting your budget based off of like a D3, D7 ROAS? And if you saw that lower, were you lowering spend or, or were you just kind of uh, proactively lowering the spend just to make sure that you're achieving those kind of short-term ROAS targets? Yeah, so basically um, most of the games that manager are like, um, focusing on day 90 for for example pay, uh, yeah. payback period and then um, trying to like compare the the early uh, day three day seven uh, ras benchmarks as well and when we saw that uh, like a very huge difference then we decreased the spend just you know in case and then um, actually like spending a couple of thousand per day um, just to make sure that we can recoup those money like day 60 or day 30 and then like you know reinvest well, right now I'm not doing any media buying. So whatever I say, it's more philosophical and academic. There's a couple of ways I can, I can kind of frame this. One way is to treat it like it's a brand new game launch, right? When you launch a new game, you don't have a ton of data and you can treat the new cohorts that are coming in right now as if you were launching a new game, how would you approach a new game? Like you don't have a lot of data, you don't have a lot of background. So one way is to think about in those terms, 
Um, but to kind of broaden that, you also have to think about how this impacts like existing cohorts, right? Because uh, existing cohorts, those users may not monetize the way that you think they will or how it is before. Um, and a lot of the different UA marketers I've spoken with have talked about pulling back and spend. And I, I, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing because as you look at the performance of the users and then you pull back and spend inherently by pulling back and spend, you're also hindering your ability to grow. And so what is the long-term consequence of pulling back spend now in six months, right? Because then your the expectation is no matter what the revenue that you'll be able to generate in the next six months will decrease or the, your audience base uh, that you'll be able to bring in in the next six months will decrease so i think it's almost as if you're looking at it as how can i minimize my loss over the next six to 12 months during this crisis um so i think part of that is accepting that is a potential a pathway of what's going to happen to your game. So I want to frame it in that sense before you even talk about like the individual strategy. Right. I thought one of the other kind of interesting things that has happened and what we've seen with coronavirus is that there's like this big differences when we look at the different splits in terms of audience, right? And so whether you do a split by geo, right? Like the way that China reacted versus the US versus other countries has been a little bit different by platform. In other words, Mobile certainly benefited, but on the, you know, on the online side, PC console space actually got a lot more benefit than mobile. And then just by game design or gameplay type for a lot of mobile games, the games that where you could absorb the engagement, where you could play a lot, those benefited a lot more than other types of games. And so I do wonder if there, in the next time you've got this kind of a situation, whether you can kind of create some type of rule set that says, by audience in, in terms of geo platform and by game design type, what are the games that are going to disproportionately improve versus other games? And I think the tricky part as well is that one of the things that I've also been hearing from some of my friends is that for a lot of the games that they're operating, sure, downloads have increased 20 to 30%, but it's, it wasn't like the monetization actually followed a lot later than typical. And so, you know, it, it certainly, to your point, Mate, I mean, I think what most UA folks that I'm talking to are just like, well, we don't know what's going on, so let's, let's kind of reduce. But I think that the thing that I have an issue with is that there seems to be like a broad sweeping, hey, we're just going to haircut everything. We're just going to reduce the full ARPU curve. And you've got like a three-year payback window. It's like, are you sure that we should haircut the whole thing? Or like, I mean, I don't know, right? So... And then in terms of like, you know, winners versus losers, do you guys have any thoughts in terms of like, whether it's the type of games or what have you guys been seeing or hearing in terms of winners and losers in this current environment? Well, definitely winners are the, the story-based games and uh, every, everything that uh, all the games that have any narrative in, in, inside and that you can play a lot during these days at home. I mean, the, in, in the very early um, Corona uh, stages, uh, I was able to, to launch, actually global launch a game, um, a cooking game, and, and it's um, like a combination of, of the cooking um, mechanics and some, some storytelling as well. It's actually performing quite well. And also in the, um, in the geos that are super affected, like Italy and Spain, and also like in China. Yeah. 
I would say like these type of games should be or are the winners at the, at the current situations. I also uh, I agree with that. Like, um, so the obvious kind of winners are the high engagement games that you talked about. So I think puzzle game match three cooking games are definitely some of the big winners. Um, Social casino as well. <laughs> Social right? casino. And, but I, I question whether like, What's the definition of that winning? Is it monetization? Is it engagement? I'm sure engagement is through the roof. And you know, Joe, to your point, are, are, but is the monetization rate still the, roughly the same? And I think Eric Sufer uh, wrote a very, very good art, article about like a protracted kind of uh, economic downturn and implosion of the app economy. And I think there are some great points about the idea of like, we might see great engagement now, but does that translate to, you know, high, high revenue later? And to kind of even go a little bit more meta about it is like, maybe some of the bigger winners are the ad monetizing games, right? The games that utilize ad monetization. Um, even if let's say people are pulling back, CPMs are going down, it's a consistent revenue stream that I think a publisher can rely on to generate revenue. Whereas I think as we continue into a, the new world of like COVID, the rate of monetization will, will fluctuate depending on how, you know, the 20 million people who are unemployed, will they be able to get back on their feet? Will they be able to get, will Congress be able to pass the change? And I'm talking specifically about the US worldwide it might be very very different I, I think if the rest of the world is like new zealand great right but unfortunately it's not so it's very interesting to see one thing i will kind of point out is you have countries like the uk and canada where they're actually doing some huge moves in terms of stimulating the economy or or even providing livelihood to their citizenry so i wonder how that impacts the app economy. I don't have that visibility. I would love to know. Yeah, one of the interesting things from another interview with a couple of social casino guys was that, I don't know if you guys know Lloyd Melnick, but he mentioned that for a social casino, as soon as the U.S. sent out those $1,200 stimulus checks, there was like a spike. <laughs> and so, I, so Monte, you're, you're currently buying now. Like, in terms of like, when you hear all this coronavirus news, does that impact your buying strategy? Are you like, oh, wait, there's going to be a stimulus check, another one coming out in two months. So let's kind of plan right before that date. Or like, are you thinking, well, coronavirus stuff is looking really bad. So we're going to, you think there's a recession. Are you going to plan for that in terms of your ARPU curve? No, yeah, um, def definitely. Like uh, when there, there's going to be the stimulus check in the next, uh, uh, next two months, I'm yeah. like starting to, Starting to um, increase the spend on the U.S. just you know to to buy those users in uh, in advance um, to see like how they will perform in in the game and trying to retain them. So definitely like looking at these uh, these kind of things uh, because from what I I saw and during the global launch even even the like the Italy and Spain as a, as a country with a very bad situations over there. Like you know, people were still playing the game and actually paying quite significant amount of money, so they need some some kind of entertainment. So yeah, I know that I was speaking about lowering the spend and everything, but I think like the uh, also like uh, you mentioned the social casino. I mean, the players will stay in the game and they, eventually they will start paying. It's just you know we don't have that data yet. 
So that's, that's just my only concern at the moment. As a question to the, your comment, is, is the idea that people are stuck at home anyway, they need some form of entertainment, this is still at least playing, playing social casino or your cooking game is a form of, uh, to the user, a very form of cheap entertainment that they can continue to afford. And therefore, it's, it's something that people are continuing to pay for. I think so, actually. It's, you know, um, when you are, you are at home, you're just watching Netflix or any, any other um, streaming platform for some bucks um, uh, on a monthly basis. Why shouldn't you just pay that similar amount of money in, in the gaming? Mm-hmm. So I'm expecting this, but I'm still not sure yet, quite yet. Mm. Right. So maybe what we can now talk about is just more of a, so now we've got this coronavirus situation, but what about a more generalized framework? And so is there kind of like a structured way we can think about doing UA during these kinds of times? And and by that, I mean, again, you've got big environmental change. You don't have data. You don't really know. You kind of have an idea of how your RPU curve could be affected, but, you know, how do we build a framework for thinking about big change happens and then i think monte what you're doing is what everybody else what i'm hearing a lot of other people are trying to do is like okay let's be careful let's pull back spend let's kind of wait this thing out let's get data and then let's kind of spend after we get the data but is there any other generalized framework or system that we can think about i'll let you guys start and i've got my own thoughts on this as well (laughs) it's all about like making decisions I'm like making decisions. If I don't have any data, then I'm trying to use my own experiences and, and, and knowledge from the previous, um, at least like similar situation and trying to do the decisions. So basically like if I don't have any data, then um, well, I'm trying to focus on my gut and I'm trying to, to spend wisely because I'm, you know, I don't want to like, you know, spend, uh, overspend and then I'm trying to like, uh, um, trying to say like, you know, this was probably not a good idea. I'm sorry, but this is what, what's <laughs> going to happen. You know, high risk, high, high spend. Well, so yeah. that's why I'm, I'm more careful about uh, these things. But, you know, sometimes it's just um, high risk, high reward game. Right. right. And when you're saying environmental changes, um, well, first of all, before we move on, I, I promised Riska I would talk a little bit about retargeting. Uh, yeah. I think um, specifically for COVID-19, he had a very, very good point. Is like, you know, instead of go and chase after unknown, brand new, unknown cohort uh, behavior, like go after existing cohorts um, and trying to get people to come back. You're right in the sense where a lot of the download activity is happening because people are at home looking for new forms of entertainment in different types of games. And I think a great strategy right now is to do a little bit more retargeting. And and I, I know for a fact that a lot of UA people aren't very focused on this topic. So I think it's something that could be worth considering. To your point about environmental changes, uh, there's different ways, right? So COVID-19 is driving a global recession. And from a UA perspective, this is the first recession that we've experienced on mobile. So it's definitely something to consider. But outside of that is are things like legislative changes, right? So earlier we were talking about social casino. Legislative changes like the shifting of the 
responsibility of real money gambling from the federal level to the state level is now allowing real money operators like DraftKings to now launch in different states. So how will that impact social casino that for a very, very long time have been able to enjoy a broad, I guess, invulnerability from legislation? There's definitely very specific cases like in Washington, but in general, like social casino now has a whole new level of competition that they have to consider. So how would you approach that? How would you consider that? So from my perspective, using that example, there's a couple of things that could happen. One very obvious one is consolidation. Either people determine that, okay, in order to compete with this, you either have to join with a social casino operator uh, or join multiple social casino operators together in order to combat this or the consolidation between a real money operator with a social casino operator. And there's different iterations of that, but that's one example I can see potentially happening in the future. Right. So, and just to kind of give my thoughts in terms of how to think about uh, this situation is like, I would try to create some type of a, of a framework for thinking about when change happens. Right. And so the, issue that I have is that working with a lot of um, UA teams before, and uh, certainly not you guys, because and the reason why I, I like talking with you guys is you guys, you guys are more thoughtful, but in a lot of organizations, it's, it's more about, hey guys, what's my, tell me what my D3 or D7 ROAS target is, or tell me what, what my, you know, my target you know, CPI is. And then I'm, I just, I'm just want to be a monkey and, you know, just, just, just yeah. execute, right? Rather than really thinking about, okay, so if a change happens, how do we think this through? For, and the first thing I think that people need to think about is like the payback window, right? And so like, you've got your payback window, and then what is the potential impact on, on the ARPU? Because in some cases, let's say it's a short-term recession, you might, even when you acquire users, you might just be pushing forward the revenue for a time when people can actually start paying again when the economic situation changes. And so, but in conversely, if you've got a three-year payback window and let, let's say we do go into a depression, you, you might get fucked too. So like thinking about the payback window and then thinking, okay, well, I've got a, you know, I've, I'm in hyper casual, CPIs are getting better. So I don't really need to think about it. I'm going to make my money back in seven to 14 days. But thinking about that payback, thinking about what the ARPU curve looks like and thinking about, okay, with this curve, instead of just haircutting everything down, Let's kind of figure out where and when it's going to be impacted and, and is there a potential to actually shift some of that revenue forward or not? I think the second thing I would, I would really think about is thinking about your player segments in terms of all the kind of your payment buckets, right? And so whether you've got like a 1K bucket or a 10K, you know, it depends on the game. But one of the points I, I think that was a good point from that Eric Seifert article is, is thinking about, I, I wouldn't classify all IAP as a luxury good, but certainly in terms of the well behavior, I would say that that's a luxury goods, right? And so maybe like half of your 10K spenders shift to become 1K spenders, and then it kind of trickles down. But I would really try and think about, okay, if, if there is a certain situation, then how are your payment buckets going to potentially shift? And then this is the part where it's great for UA teams that actually work very closely with product to then think about, okay, do we run a sale? Do we implement like a battle pass system because I think what we have been seeing and something that is proven is that one of the things that you get from let's say a battle pass system 
is you get higher conversion, but lower ARPU-PU. But maybe that actually fits the kind of environment you're going into where it's like, okay, well, we're not going to have all these high spending whales, but we can shift their spending down and increase conversion to make up for that revenue. And then I think the third thing I would look at is just the segmentation of your audiences, right? And so we noted uh, earlier that you've got regional geo differences, we've got platform differences, you've got differences by game type. And so like figuring out, okay, from our game, where do we fit? And then in terms of the targeting, you're, you're gonna have to like treat every region platform game differently. The final thing I would think about is, John, you mentioned retargeting, like for a lot of companies or a lot of games, retargeting, reactivation really hasn't made sense for a long time. But then when you think through the situation, kind of trace route through, what the impact on players is and how players may potentially react. And you know, now you've got a lot of people at home and a lot of people trying to play games. So maybe that makes sense now. Then you look at all your other potential types of UA activities that previously may not have made sense, but now maybe they do make sense. And so I guess that the, the main message I would have is that if you do come up with it, and you know, I'm not saying this is your playbook, for anybody, yeah. I mean, but in terms of like high level, how I would think about it, I would try to create this kind of system, right? So like, you've got different rule sets, you've got different yeah. things that you're gonna like, okay, I'm gonna look at this, I'm gonna look at this, I'm gonna look at this, and be very thoughtful in terms of what you think the impacts are gonna be, and then have that inform your UA spending and things like that. But I don't know, what, what do you guys think about that? I, I think you hit on the great, some great points about creating the framework of being able to adapt to big changes. However, that's not something that UA can do as a silo. And I think yeah. you and I have had a lot of conversations about yeah. the, ne the necessity of marketing org really being integrated with the product org. So for example, if let's say, uh, my, my, my first question that I would ask is like, is the business able to survive this change, right? So zooming all the way out, and not even looking at payback windows, but is, is this business designed to be able to survive it? So one example is like if our Airbnb right now, maybe not, right? And, but if I'm gaming, so as an org to prepare for changes like these is to think about like, am I maximizing all my potential monetization capabilities is should i now you no know, there's been for years a lot of companies that i we don't put ads in our game that's just not what we do it's a philosophical thing i personally ran into that when i was at play studios does this change that when you have a lot of people to your point it might the the, the curve shape of the curve of ltv might look similar but now it's just lower or or flatter or shifted down so so the same curve but shifted down how do you make up for that revenue? And one, one avenue is to go through ads. Yeah. But with that said, it's a process that needs to be designed with product, right? So there are only so many levers a market can say like, oh, I can spend less. I can maybe look at different markets in different ways and spend differently. But fundamentally, your product needs to be able to be able to adapt with how marketing is shifting. And I think that conversation needs to be had if you haven't had that before, like teams should be having that conversation right now because whatever we do on UA serves a broader business goal. Right. So unless we're looking at it from a broader business perspective as for the company, then it, it's not going to make sense if that. I kind of actually think, you know, as you were talking, kind of got me thinking that you really need 
uh, and this doesn't exist at every gaming studio, but you actually really need two types of integration for the UA team. One, to your point with the product team, the more integrated you are, the better, the better you're able to change and adapt to, to different situations. But also, Mate, to your point, like, you could literally bankrupt the studio. If you're not yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, just start spending and then say, well, well, sorry, it didn't work out well. And it's like, yeah, you, well, you could okay. be like, <laughs> Oops, you guys are going to be out of business. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so, sorry about that. You know, <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. So, but that speaks to the second integration, right? Which is like, you really, the UA team really needs to be fully integrated and aligned with the management team. The management team needs to be more aware of UA rather than just saying, okay, I'm just going to trust somebody to make a potentially a huge call in terms of what could happen with the game and the company yep. and then to be and then to be aligned in terms of what the strategy is going forward and i think that second integration is also very important in the sense that the other thing that i think about in terms of times of change you you have very little data things are changing you kind of have an idea of what may happen or not but this is a time when i think we're all seeing across the board you know ua guys are just saying okay let's be careful let's pull back but to me, when I think about this, I also, you know, put my game theory hat on. And I'm like, well, when everyone's pulling back, wait a minute, maybe now's the time to kind of, you know, go all in. Maybe, but then you could bankrupt the company. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, it's kind of like, I think about it in football terms, right? And so, like, there are some football teams that play to win. And there are some football teams to play to not lose, right? And so if you're up two or three touchdowns, you know, do you get conservative and just run, run, pass, run, run, pass? Or do you just like take it to the other team, just go all in, go aggressive? And certainly there's that risk, right? In terms of if you're too aggressive and you're wrong, you could really bankrupt the company. But at the same time, this could be the opportunity where you take your company to a whole new scale, right? Where you can really like take the company to a whole new level and there are very, and these types of opportunities are very rare where the environment shifts and there will be new winners and losers. So if you have that play to win mentality and you're right, you win. And if you're wrong, you know, it's, 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 it's to Monte, to your point, high stakes, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you nice. talk since, uh, the thing is that, um, in these, in these days, a very few people want to take the responsibility of, you know, making these decisions. And as you said, like, I also think, and my comments are that uh, in these uh, in these times, you should be, if you are not already, like, very good friends with your uh, product management or the product team, and to be on the same very same page and you know, constantly talking about the situation, what's going to happen, about all the all the A B tests of different monetization and how that impacts uh, the UA and how, how that impacts the the development and and also if the UA or the product guys uh, don't want to take the responsibility, there needs to be someone from the management team, as you said. Like yeah. this should be also the conversation on a daily basis so everybody is on the same page. The, you just don't blame the UA guys for overspending. It's <laughs> <laughs> very careful. <laughs> I had a great conversation with our friend Warren from Uptick. And okay. for him, when he talks to a new, new company and he's going in to essentially act as their growth marketing team, he said that one of his first conversations 
is with the executive team and and they talk about like hey look like you're telling me that you want to grow 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 but at the same time you want to pay back within a certain amount of time well yeah. realistic <laughs> i mean like how many yeah, times have and have you and I, you know, have had that conversation? Yeah, I had this conversation a lot uh, in, in the previous and, years. Yeah, you know, like I've been in situations <laughs> where I've been told, like, I want you to grow down by 20% in the next month, but I want you to maintain the same role. I was like, no, you can't do that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> so, yeah it's, not, it's not like that. It doesn't work like that. Come on. Yeah. And so, so <laughs> I think, and, and I think that's important, right? Because the understanding of profitable growth and impact to margins and versus uh, aggressive growth and how how far are we willing to eat into that margin? Right? How soft are our margins? Yeah. And I think Warren had a great point there. But fundamentally is having that communication with the executive team. You're right. That's not a decision even as the lead or the, the, yeah. the, the, the head of the marketing org that could make it alone. Again, it's not a silo, right? So being able to communicate with the executive team, with the product teams, like, hey, this is the state of the uh not just the app economy but the advertising marketplace right this is what's going on cpms are going down our competitors are pulling back do we look at this as an opportunity if i can bring those users into our app are we confident that we can monetize these users to make up what we're spending out so and can we shorten that payback window uh given that we know we don't we have a lot of unknowns the longer we push yeah. it out so i think having these conversations will help inform are you the play to win team or are you the play to not lose team i think these are the conversations i would personally want to have and also and how how is this going to influence the cash flow of the company as well right this yeah. is super important i think overall it's like there's no right answer. I think no one yep. really knows. And, and of course, I'm sitting here, I'm talking everything from a philosophical level, right? So it's easy for me to say, but a lot of it is, I think if I want to consolidate a few points, is like make sure those lines of communications are active, right? And when I say active, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to have a meeting product and talk about what yeah. new product features. <laughs> but, but really think about like, okay, in the recession that we're living through now is thinking about like, hey, what is our goal in the next six to 12 months, assuming that this continues, right? So let's say to what Eric said in his article, this becomes a protracted recession or protracted economic decline. What, how are we going to survive as a company? Right. What are the moves we need to make? Yeah. If, it, if you're making that decision now, meaning let's say um, you haven't thought about this until the crisis is here, it is a little late, but you can still make the changes necessary to survive what's to come. But if you're not even having that conversation right now, then you're really, you know, you're really, I, I'm, I'm hope, yeah, I, I'm hoping most companies are having this conversation. And, and once you have that conversation, I think that will allow you to determine what are the logically next necessary moves that you need to make, whether it's changing the way that we monetize our users, changing the pricing, uh, doing short-term stuff like live op changes, or even the way we reach out to our existing users, retargeting, revisiting it. So I think these are the things that can come out of this discussion. No, I just want to like um, last comment from from my side as well. I mean, in these in these um, tough times, 
you should be reflecting the the actual situation and don't get blind by the good numbers and you know because i'm hearing from uh, from a couple of companies that uh, you know they're um, aiming for one year payback period and now since they see a really good numbers they are they are you know thinking about aiming for two year payback window or three year even you should be very careful about about the actual times and like changing the strategy the monetization strategy right. because i don't think it's like supervise to to change the strategy in these dangerous times and uh, yeah to aim to the two-year payback period instead of one i would like do the quite opposite actually right yeah. and then from my perspective i would say like the key takeaways i hope that ua folks would take is that one is to come up with some type of system or framework Right. And so like not just react to stuff, but I do think that from a UA perspective to have that playbook, have these things that you're able to draw upon. And right now we are living through a time that is very valuable from an experience perspective. And we're seeing data, we're seeing what happens in these different kinds of situations. And what we know is that history and people are very, in some ways, are very predictable. So history always repeats itself. If we have a situation, well, I, of course, it doesn't have to be coronavirus, but it could be something else that's similar. We know, okay, in these kinds of situations, these kind of things happen. We've seen from a platform perspective, from a geo perspective, from a games perspective, here's all the things that kind of happen. And then it'll help you extrapolate in new situations what of the previous event were true or not. I think the other point that we made was this real important the concept around integration, right? So integrating not only the product team, but also the management team. You can't play to win if the management team isn't on board and understand what you're doing. Because to Mate, your point, you're not going to bankrupt the company on a hunch, even though you think 90% we're going to go big, but there's a small chance that we're, yeah, we're not yeah. going <laughs> to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so then I would also say then the final thing is, you know, you alluded to this, John, but really like, going back and thinking through all of the different systems, all the different, you know, whether it's reactivation or whatever, kind of trace routing through what the impact on the, on the user is gonna be. And then based upon that, not only from a UA perspective, from, but from a product perspective, right? Should we be running different kinds of sales? What kinds of sales? Should we implement a battle pass? How will payment behavior change? And how do we adapt the product to be able to take advantage of the environmental change? And so, yeah, those would be some of the key things that I hope that uh, more UA folks will take away. I'm glad that you guys are here. And I know you guys are some of the more, more thoughtful guys, uh, the most thoughtful guys in the audience. So. I don't know, Nebo might, might, <laughs> might be so yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll have to get him on for the next one. But, but uh, yeah, just to, uh, one last point is, yeah, a lot of times when we're, what what we've seen on last couple of years in UA is that a lot of people have their favorite things to do and people always end up pulling the same levers, whether you're on product or on UA. I think in times like these is actually a good time for you to stop and actually take inventory of all the available tools you have, whether it's from a monetization perspective, either from a marketing perspective. So if our go-to is I'm going to go buy on Facebook, well, Maybe this now is a good time for you to evaluate what other potential channels, what other potential levers that you can pull. And I think that is probably the most important thing a marketer can do right now is taking that inventory. Great. Yep. All right, guys, with that, I think that's it. By the way, so what kind of coffee are you guys drinking? Well, I always drink uh, double espresso, well, multiple times a day. Okay. <laughs> 
so for me, it's always black coffee. And uh, I, I actually ended up going to Costco and buying that huge, big five pound bag of Starbucks coffee. It's like, hands down, I hate, I hate <laughs> Starbucks coffee, but like, um, it was there. I was just like, okay, uh, let me pour coffee now <laughs> nice. and get the big bag. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm surviving through that for me, right? Yeah, I'm like the opposite of you, John. I'm I'm like not a coffee connoisseur. I, I just dump a whole lot of coffee made in my, <laughs> I like the sugary yeah. coffee. So. <laughs> but anyway, all right. Well, thanks for your time, guys. And until the next UA Coffee Talk, yeah. I'll see you guys later. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye.